those of you who are new to Spark, you know that every now and then I like to interrupt and, and um, interrogate a little bit. This is part of our culture to ask some questions. Now, for those of you who've been around Spark, you will find this to no surprise that this is a driving ethic. Then for those of you who don't know, uh, Omer also has a PhD in social psychology from Stanford. And so the question that emerged in my mind is, but what about the men? Omer. What about the guys? And, and I say this obviously a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but a little bit also to the question of our, our day. This issue of gender, when, when you see this hugely profound revolutionary redemptive move through these texts, the social psychology that happens is, well, now you're starting to talk about a gender that is not me. And the, what we've, we find ourselves in a, in a time and a place where that can feel threatening. Now, I'm, you know, we're, we're, we're good on the theology. We're good on the, the message of it. I want to ask you as a social psychologist, what would be your response to that tension of pushing for this redemptive move, but also seeing that it may cause an uprise or a revolt or some sort of reaction and response? But what about us? Right. What about us? So help. Sure. And, so- I, and I ask you, sorry. I ask it also very seriously because people still talk this way, right? right? The more and more this happens, the, the more and more there's going to be other conversations. So help me out on that. Sure. Yeah, and if, if I, uh, I think I, I get what you're asking. And I think part of the challenge, uh, it was epitomized in one of the reviews of the Wonder Woman movie, uh, the BBC noted, many, many critics think that Wonder Woman is too feminist, others it's not feminist enough. So it's one of those things that um, it has potential to offend everybody. And I think that, again, like I, would have in the past had this approach of um, so what if it is threatening or offensive to men like in the process of empowering women but then when you realize that part of why um, there there have been so many figures like Wonder Woman as leaders that have been successful it's because they have a way of in some ways being palatable to the like movement that's in power um, but slightly subverting it, like step by step, almost in an unnoticeable way. And I think that's, that's the way uh, a lot of um, feminists like Gloria Steinem and people, they would argue that that is a, a, a psychological approach that is successful, that it's, a, it's like a striking a balance between being just not threatening enough, but still promoting ideals of gender equality, like that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So the reason why I love how you responded to that is because uh, you mentioned, I don't think you used the term redemptive movement, hermeneutic, but that was the term that I used last week, a redemptive move. Like in that particular time and place, it was a move forward, even though from our perspective, it looks like a move back. The redemptive movement way of shifting people is actually grounded in good psychology. Yeah. Right. right. So what we're reading in numbers way back then is maybe not the ultimate thing that we would want to see, but it's a brilliant strategy for how right. to move things forward and redeem things right. towards an ultimate It's meet, meeting people where they're at. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I, that, that's kind of what... Does anybody else have a question? Pastor Danielle? <laughs> no, it was great. Okay. You know, for 3,000 years, or at least the last several hundred years in the church in America, the women in the congregation have been saying, but what about me? So it's nice to finally that's hear right. a sermon <laughs> preached by a man <laughs> where I don't have to write myself right. in to right. the line. I know. So thank you for your question. <laughs> Get in line. <laughs> that won't be the last time that happens. Okay, everybody. I think, I think there was there was a question. Oh, was there a question? Yeah. Please. I had a question about 
So repeat the question uh, for the... Yeah, that's right. So the question was that, you know, Mary was, uh, Mary was a, a pregnant teenager in her, presumably in her parents' household. And uh, there's, you know, there's not really a discussion that we have about whether she ran that vow or that the uh, affirming of that vow passed her parents in that process. And I think this, uh, that speaks to how, just how risky it was for Mary to have done what she did. Uh, and, and all the more to the, the amount of agency that the story gives her, that she, she is in that moment, um, God, God is asking her, like revealing like, hey, this is something that I need to do through you. Like, can we make this happen? And the way the text is presented, it's her responses. I'm sure that there was a lot of pensive subtext underneath it. But the way the narrative flows is she was ready. She was ready to say yes to that, uh, almost regardless of the consequences, because it obviously strained her relationship with Joseph when she did that, too. She was, you know, as being engaged to Joseph, um, that vow would have had an impact on him. And he would have had the opportunity to deny that vow once they got married. Um, but... Thankfully, Joseph came around, but I have a feeling Mary probably would have gone through with it, whether Joseph was on board or not. And just one add, um, there's um, a book called Social World of Ancient Israel. And one of the things it talks about is that if in the betrothal period, it was discovered that the female was not faithful, right? That then the, the man had the opportunity to take her family's home and everything they had. So the betrothal period and the loyalty and the vow required and all of that, that was as though they were already married, which is maybe an indication of Joseph's honor when he says, I'll just divorce her quietly. Right. So as to keep the family's honor in the community because nobody's going to believe what she says about her sex life. Right? <laughs> nobody's going to believe this. And this is, she knows it. Joseph knows it. The whole community knows it. It's probably why they can't find a home in Bethlehem because people can count to nine months. Um, there wasn't an inn or an innkeeper. There was not a place for them where they were welcomed. So I, I think that there's quite a bit in that where the vows that they're all making before God and to one another, they're holding one another into right. the space, even though the community can't hold it yet. Yeah. Everybody think on that? Yeah.